0: Welcome to Life Boost. here my name is Ryan and I would like to thank you all for listening to my content here you can please follow and subscribe to my content that would be greatly appreciated today I'm speaking with a man that has been changing the world for first responders and also making an impact for those within Alberta he is focused within helping mental health for first responders and has created two free texting services for text for PDSI which is also known for post-traumatic stress injury and also text for well-being. These are two easy services that you can access and I will provide all the links in the descriptions below about what it's all about in more detail so that you can have a better understanding as to what this app can offer. And we're gonna learn more today about this app from the man that has actually created this app. Dr. Agipon is a clinical professor and a Division of Community Psychiatry at the Department of Psychiatry for University of Alberta. He is an Alberta Health Scientist Edmonton Zone Clinical Section Chief for Community Mental Health and he has served as one of two specialist members on the Health Technology Expert Review Panel on Internet Delivered Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technologies in Health. He has also served as a mental health expert on disaster medicine with the Canadian Institute for Health Research Communications and Media Relations Department and he holds two doctorate degrees a research MD in clinical psychiatry and a PhD in global mental health both awarded by the University of Dublin, Trinity College in Ireland. He was also awarded by a Certificate of Completion Specialist Training by the College of Psychiatrists of Ireland. And he has been throughout the world, throughout his education and training, has created huge steps for recovery for those that are suffering within mental health. He started creating this cause when the COVID-19 pandemic occurred and there was not a lot of resources available to help those around. And he is the guy that has created opportunities for first responders to stand, stand up and fight against this cause. I would really like to introduce my friend here. Dr. Vincent Agupon, How are you doing, sir?
1: Thank you very much. I'm doing good. I hope you are doing well too.
0: Thank you. What made you want to get into this project? What motivated you to be driven about text for PDSI and text for well being for first responders?
1: Yeah, so I mean, first responders are people who, uh, on a daily basis, respond to emergencies in our homes, on the streets in workplaces, anywhere there's any particular injury of any type, including where, unfortunately, sometimes there are even deaths, they do respond. And therefore, the very nature of their work predisposes them to developing psychological injuries, post traumatic stress disorder is very common in, in first responders. So we thought it would be a good idea to look at really this uh, group of very unique uh, healthcare professionals who support our very physical and psychological well being. Usually, people want to access services for themselves. And unfortunately, sometimes there are some barriers. And some of the barriers could be stigma. And that's very prevalent. Uh, among first responders, a reason why some first responders do not seek uh, mental health support when they are beginning to kind of uh, fall under the weight of the very work that that they do on a daily daily basis. There are also other barriers like long wait lists for people to access psychological services. We have also financial barriers. Some some services are are paid for privately by insurance, but then you have to do a top-up or you are limited to a specific number of sessions. And therefore there are all these barriers. There are also geographical barriers as well. Some first responders live in very remote locations where they are not able to access you know, the psychological help that they need locally as well. So these are all things that motivated us to look at an intervention that's worked in other situations and thought it to be a very good intervention for first responders, because people can be able to access this service immediately. It's very discreet. Nobody knows you signed up. The services come to you from the very day that you are enrolled on an ongoing basis. The content have also been created by mental health professionals, and we've done the research to suggest that this is going to be very helpful for first responders.
0: That's going to be a huge change. And from the expert reviews and from the research that you gathered throughout the time when you were conducting these experiments, what did you find in general for first responders that suffer in, whether if it's within managing their mental health, their emotional regulation, was it, what was the research that you conducted about first responders that they suffered the most in? if that makes sense.
1: Well, there have been a number of different uh, studies that have been conducted looking at first responders specifically. So if you take events like the 9-11, you also take events like the Fort McMurray wildfires. There have been a number of publications that highlight the significant psychological toll that the trauma that these first responders have responded to actually brought to the first responders as well as to their families as well. So there's higher than average prevalence rate for anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress injury among first responders compared to the general population, even in situations where the general population have been part of going through the traumatic uh, incidents as well. For example, the Fort McMurray wildfires everybody went through the wildfires but you can imagine first responders firefighters actually facing the fire and trying to put pull it down and, and actually being there seeing homes burning when everybody else had been evacuated they did all that at the peril you know of their lives they did that at, at very high risk to themselves so the degree of trauma that they go through make it not too surprising that they would have a, they would suffer higher levels of of stress, higher levels of you know sleep problems, higher levels of uh, post traumatic stress injury, higher levels of unfortunately suicidal ideation as well.
0: That's very interesting. And what techniques would you find uh, that first responders should use when? they're dealing with the anxiety and stress of everything that's going on within their career when they're going to work every day and they're risking their life and the stress keeps building throughout their career because they're not talking about it or they're not communicating it or not knowing how to love themselves. What is the first steps that you'd say that could improve on this?
1: Well, first steps are always talking to somebody not necessarily even a healthcare professional, even talking to members of your family about what you are going through. It's said that a problem shared is a problem helped. You've not got to bottle things in. There are many other things that you know people can be able to do for themselves, like, for example, increase the level of physical activity that they are engaged in as first responders build their physical health as well as improve their mental well-being as well. It's important for them to eat very healthy, you know, avoid a lot of the junk food. There's been a direct correlation between eating healthy and improvement in mental health in studies which have been published using the randomized, you know, kind of control approach. So certainly talking to somebody, exercising, and also eating healthy are three very basic and fundamental things that people should be doing. There are many other things uh, that people should be doing. People should be training themselves, you know, to try and think more in the positive and not dwell on the negativities or the negatives associated with the work that they do. It should be possible for first responders to be able to separate their work life from their home life For example, to give their mind a break, you know, so you're not going to focus on the trauma that you've witnessed, or, you know, the, uh, the call and bring work home, try to have very separate lives. So it's important to have, you know, a home life that includes things that are very pleasurable, like watching a movie with your family, going out with your kids you know, to play soccer, disrupting your mind from just the work load and and, and and all the negative things, unfortunately, that you've had to respond to in the workplace. It's a very good way that first responders could uh, protect their uh, psychological well-being. People should also know when they are reaching that breaking point. And when they are reaching that breaking point, reach out for help. As I indicated before, stigma is usually a reason why people fail to reach out for help. But if you are to know that one in four people would at a point in time suffer from a mental disorder, then you know it's a very common thing. You are not alone. We are talking about 25% of the world population at a point in time will suffer from some mental problems that could be classified as a mental disorder. So it's not something that you should be ashamed of, because as I said, if you are in a room with a hundred people, the likelihood is that 25 of them, at a point in their life, would have some mental disorder. It will be an anxiety disorder, a depressive disorder, or it could be some more serious mental health condition like bipolar disorder, you know, schizophrenia, alcohol use disorder, and so on and so forth. So it's not something that people should be ashamed of. It's important that they reach out for help when they feel that the symptoms they are experiencing is begin beginning to interfere with their family life, their social life, their occupational life. Reach out for help.
0: Very great knowledge, very good understanding on ways to effectively manage And how to escape that barrier from negativity and you're reaching that next step and it's great to hear your insight and knowledge about this because it's not recognized enough and it's not shared enough to other people throughout the world and throughout Canada this is not even just a Canadian issue this is a worldwide topic and this has been an issue and like you said everybody has suffered from a mental health disorder And people, not just first responders, but people throughout the world do suffer this. And it's been a very big ongoing issue. And the biggest thing is, is by sharing this knowledge and by trying to explain to people, if you take care of yourself and you follow the steps through mental health professionals, and if you follow the steps that are done by experts, things will be better for you and for your future. If you decide to hold it all in, you're not going to find any success for yourself in any manner. And it's going to cause a lot of issue. When you have done this program, what have you been finding with your studies within this? Do you find that the app has been working very effectively? Do you see it really expanding throughout Canada and throughout other areas?
1: Yeah, so we've been fortunate uh, to have had very good results with the app from the general public's point of view. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we've had over 55,000 people subscribe to the Tech for Hope program. Everybody that subscribes receives a baseline survey. Not everybody completes it, but at least we've had about 20% of people complete it. We follow up with another survey at six weeks and then at three months. So the preliminary results that's coming suggest that the app is effective in reducing levels of stress, anxiety, and depression in subscribers. We also took a number of people who have received the daily messages for six weeks and compared their six-week score with people who had just enrolled in the program and therefore had just completed the baseline scores but all within the same time frame and we found out that the prevalence of depression anxiety and stress was significantly higher in those who had not received any messages compared to those who had received the messages for 6 weeks for example if you take depression it was about 52% in those who had not received any messages compared to only about 32 or 36% in those who had received the messages for six weeks. We also found out that something like suicidal ideation was about 26% in the group that had not received any messages at all compared to 16% in the group that had received the messages for only six weeks. So you can imagine that the app effectively is very useful for people, even in stopping them from having suicidal thoughts or suicidal thinking. And I think this would be very, very helpful for first responders.
0: What's a way to bring awareness for the app itself? What's another way that we can bring awareness to first responders in the workplace so that we can actually physically so that people can physically see that this service is available because there is days when people are on the job and you know they don't have it on their phone, they may not know about this service. They may not know what it is to offer, right?
1: Yeah, so we've uh, actually printed close to a thousand posters. We have not yet uh, distributed the posters to the various first responder organizations yet. I'm working with uh, somebody in the government office to try and see if we can be able to get assistance in terms of permissions to roll out these posters which has all the information. Because, I mean, as you said rightly, so far we've relied on uh, news media items which are usually just, you know, in the moment. If somebody did not hear about it or if somebody's not connected to a particular social uh, media or did not follow that social media Account at that point in time, then it's very unlikely that they will be aware of this very vital service. But we believe if we have posters right in the workplaces, which are on the walls in the common areas where first responders usually come, you know, they, they do their shift change and stuff like that, Yeah. then it's mm-hmm. more likely that people can be able to. So we are still in that process of trying to uh, get the poster disseminated so far, we've not, we've not disseminated them.
0: Very interesting. And when it comes to this app in particular, it's connected with the resilience and hope, correct? Yes. And could you maybe explain to us about resilience and hope and how resilience and hope itself has helped out with this?
1: Yeah, so I mean, Resilience and Hope is now an umbrella uh, kind of name for all the various programs that's been developed. So starting from the text for mood, text for hope, we have the text for support, we have the text for uh, PTSI, uh, text for wellness. So originally we were using an app that's based in the U.S. to actually deliver the messages in these programs. But then we worked with the de- developer to develop our own application. So it's now the first Canadian application really to be able to do this kind of work, not just send messages in English, which the US application could do, but also in multiple languages. And therefore we've been able to translate our, our Tech for Hope program, for example, into Mandarin. We have the Chinese version, we have the Punjabi version, and we have the Arabic version as well, which are all programs which are going to be launched in the next uh, week, few weeks. We are working with our Better Health Services. So the Resilience and Hope program is just the Canadian program, which all these different programs fall under. And is the mechanism by which we deliver all the messages uh, to, to people.
0: Very interesting. And your focus has been primarily with first responders at this time, right? Are you trying to focus on other areas more than just within first responders?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we work with our Kickstand, which is now Better Initiative. And we've already lined the More Good Days program. So, the More Good Days is just a youth version of the tech for. Mood and Text for Hope program, where we work with young people to design the messages that are fed into the, uh, the, the More Good Day program. We're also thinking about uh, a text for healthy aging for the elderly population. The elderly have a lot of physical and mental health needs and are often confronted with isolation issues, You know, not too many people to talk to or interact with. So we believe that also because of the pandemic, almost all the elderly people, you know, have access to mobile phones, which has been the medium through which they've communicated with, with friends and with family. So if we can be able to design a program for them, that's not just targeting their mental health, but also touching on aspects of their physical and social life as well, then that's going to be very beneficial. Most Elderly people are on medication for one physical ailment or, or the other, you know. So even a text message in the morning or evening to remind you to take your medication. For example, you know, to check your blood glucose level. Have you visited your doctor in the, next, in, in the last few weeks? You know, simple things like that we feel would be very helpful. So we are in the process of designing that program as well.
0: Very interesting. It's the next level of communication. I feel that you're going to be the next guy making the text messages for everywhere when it comes to the mental health industry, which is very interesting, right? And, and you're making impacts not just within first responders, but also throughout other forms and communities and really trying to build the issue about the stigma for mental health and really trying to make it accessible because mental health should be an accessible tool that should be available right and it's something that people should get access to and there isn't enough recognition in this and I really do want to try to spread awareness for what you're doing because you are changing lives you are helping people get the services that they need and people like you need to be recognized because it's insane with the amount of work and hard dedication that you've made towards this and the passion that you have behind it is now driving upwards and it's so great to see that we're taking mental health the next level and it's good that that the texting service is improving and that it is excelling and if anything it's going to keep moving forward and get bigger and the biggest thing that i want to try to do is spread awareness for this for first responders because if i can try to share this to a lot of people then maybe we can both start saving lives maybe we can both make an impact for those throughout Canada. Do you try to connect to other countries and other nations within mental health? Have you connected with any?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at my profile, I've done a lot of work in Ghana over more than a decade. I've been working with colleagues in Australia as well. Even as we speak now, we are looking at how we can bring this whole resilience and hope program to Australia as well. And we are working on a, a common or grant application looking at launching the Text for Healthy Aging uh, in Canada and simultaneously in Australia as well. So w- we really are, are, are hoping we can be able to reach out to other countries, which is also why we are going with the multi-language version. Of, of our programs so that, for example, we can be able to reach out even to Arab countries because now we have our messages translated into Arab, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's super special, right? And yeah. I just want the world to know that you are traveling around the world and that you are gathering intelligence to really help the main problem for mental health. And without you it's going to be a hard time not trying to change the world, you know, like you're really making that impact. And, and I would like to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and having the time to take your expertise and your advice on mental health itself. Right. What are some tools that you would recommend before the end of this video? What would you recommend to those for you and for your mental health? What do you do for yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I find uh, that focusing on how you can be of help to other people is a great way to protect your own mental well-being. And uh, initially, I thought it was just something that had no scientific uh, basis, but I discovered very quickly, you know, that people have been able to do even some randomized control trials looking at. The positive benefits of acts of kindness, you know. So, focusing on how you can be able to help your community to me, personally, has been a very great way of helping my own psychological well-being. In addition, I like—I mean, even just before this interview, I, I was at the gym, you know, working out with my son for an hour before this interview. So, physical activity, you know, going to the gym and exercising is. It's something that I, I, I really find very helpful and I think will be very, very helpful for for your listeners as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you for your insight and your advice. And I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to, to listen to me and to hear about your stories and to also learn more about the app for text for PDSI. You can find all the information below in the description. And thank you guys for listening and have a great day.